Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PPC TAT Roundup. In today's episode, we have Julie taking us on a topic of programmatic advertising. And she has, is joined by Mark Poirier. <laughs> I always get his name, pronounce his name wrong. You know the cookie, how the cookie crumbles. So yeah, Mark Poirier. So that's P-O-I-R-I-E-R. I, I got so many eyes in there. One too many eyes for me that trips my tongue. But anyway, she's, he's, we're joined by Mark as well as as Ellen, Ellen Parker. <laughs> she is also a programmatic ninja out of the US. I love following her. She's got a podcast. I forget the name, but go and check out Ellen Parker. Her handle is I am Helen, Helen with an H, but the, the H is silent. But yeah, she's got the programmatic digest podcast if you want to learn about programmatic i really highly recommend that you listen to her podcast and yeah she joins the chat as well it was such a shame i didn't join it live because we had changed clocks the clock has gone back well an hour last week so when i thought it was five o'clock the chat had already happened so it actually happened today at 4 p.m um gmt time or bst time or GMT time. Oh, Lord, I'm confused with all the clocks changing. But anyway, I missed it live, but it's so great to be able to do this recap and to hear all the amazing people talking about it. Even if I had joined, I would have been lurking anyway, So because programmatic is not my forte. So excited to hear all the amazing advice given by the community today. So yeah, hope you enjoy. Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5pm GMT. I'm your host Anu and I'm recording from my studio back in London, UK and I use this platform to share not just expert but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry and get the latest on the podcast that has been called your go-to, even if you don't make it to the PPC Chat Live discussions and even if you do, then like, follow, share and retweet on that's right Twitter with my handle the marketing anu or join us in our linkedin group which is the ppc chat roundup podcast or if you're on instagram why don't you check us out at ppc chat underscore roundup to get quotes and snippets from previous episodes so yeah we have julie with mark and ellen parker i give her an honorary co-hosting or co-leading the chat today because she is a programmatic ninja taking us on the topic of programmatic advertising because yeah ppc chat is not just about paid search it's not just about google ads or microsoft ads it encompasses everything that has to do with paid media as usual yeah julie takes us on saying that you know welcome everybody thank you for joining us on this chat first how are we doing we have several fantastic experts to join us today with julia vice joins us as well as ashton clark steve gibson um tim halloran as well joins us daniel vardy as well joins us clever programmatic is it oh yes we've got some programmatic powerhouses in the house here dogar thomas as well joins us well yeah before we get to the questions we'll start with julie's usual psa saying yeah before we get into the questions this chat is intended for ppc professionals of all levels so if you have something you want to share please do we are a friendly and supportive community please don't be afraid to participate lurkers as well as just the listeners of the podcast as well are always welcome 
for sure. So yeah, we've got Julie then taking us on straight into question one saying, yeah, we're going to start with a few questions for all and then get to the questions for Mark. What does the term programmatic advertising mean to you? I think it's a fancy word for display advertising. And when I, I don't mean fancy, like, oh, okay, it's not, no difference, but programmatic is more, maybe not fancy is not the right word, but more advanced version of display, more advanced version of GDN, Google Display Network, where you can do it by not just by impressions, paying by impressions, but also paying by click. And I'd imagine more quality, the kind of sites that you're going to be looking at. And it's not just display, not just sites online. You can buy TV ads programmatically now. But exactly what you mean by programmatically, I, I, I imagine that you pay your, your, you can more pay more towards what you're going to receive from it and not just paying for a display. Probably totally wrong, but let's see what Ellen replies to that. So yeah, Ellen goes, programmatic means automated. Programmatic advertising is automated ad placements. I like to define it as such. We use a tech to automate ad placements on inventory outside of social. The same way we use Facebook tech to automate placement in Facebook. So yes, there is the proper answer instead of like the very unknowledgeable answer that I gave. So ignore mine. <laughs> Daniel Vardy goes, the future of marketing is, is what programmatic advertising is. I am actually expecting Google, Meta and other social platforms will be forced to open up auctions to other platforms because of legislation. Ellen goes, whoa, that is a serious projection. They did so once before and the CPMs were, oh, and she does a sick emoji. So maybe not a great idea. Ecta response, response, programmatic is basically Pmax plus audio ads on different advertising platforms. Some marketers consider it a more advanced form of advertising because of the available inventory, but at the core, it uses the same advertising principles. Steve Gibson goes a display network where they, they use some tech to match your ads to content. So yeah, some like is display, but more advanced version. So I'd say that that's a part of the answer that I gave that is valid. You can throw away the rest. Mark, Mark responds to question one saying to me in a slightly exaggerated way, it just means advertising outside the PPC world. Programmatic is pretty much everywhere except on paper. We haven't solved for that yet. Yes. Imagine Steph Kegali, Kegald even responds to question one saying for me, it means buying a quantity of display ads at a guaranteed CPM on different display networks other than Google while harnessing the power of machine learning to find the most receptive audience. So yeah, programmatic has been using automation since the beginning of time. It's all about automating and machine learning. Yeah, you can't get away from that, can we? And then Steve Gibson responds to question one saying, yeah, a display network where they use some tech to match your ads to content. And then Julie herself responds saying, yeah, to me, programmatic advertising means display advertising, but at a different level than the Google display network. It's more sophisticated and placements are of better quality. Historically, it hasn't been super accessible to small advertisers, but that's changing, especially with yeah freelancers and the small agencies. Ashton Clark responds saying, I've never done programmatic advertising, but have always thought of it as basically being a more advanced version of display. Same here. Then Julie takes us on to question two, saying that, are you currently managing any programmatic advertising for your clients or brands? If so, 
What platforms are you using? Before we go to that, Doug R. Thomas response to question one saying programmatic is buying through a platform to show on third party publishers. Using that definition, Google display is programmatic, but most of Google search wouldn't be. Facebook ads generally aren't programmatic, but fan is F-A-N. Facebook Advertising Network, I assume, is that what that acronym is? Mark also responds, I'm not sure whether this is for question one or question two. I think it's question one still. Yeah, programmatic is everywhere besides online display and video, in-game ads, in-app ads and native ads. It's also huge business on TV and CTV. It's an emerging method for out-of-home advertising and don't forget audio, radio, podcast advertising. Amit as well responds to question one saying, I've always understood it as display ads, but on a more advanced complex level. Then Julie takes us on to question two saying, are you currently managing any programmatic advertising for your clients or brands? If so, what platforms are you using? And Daniel Vardigo is using Stack Adapt as our agency preferred platform, but have some legacy on Trade Desk. We found for the most part, programmatic platforms are similar. We liked Stack Adapt's customer service, no min budget required over and over a certain amount of budget help on creative. Steve Gibson goes only Google display. Ecta goes, yes, I've used so many of them for small budgets to test like DV360, Trade Desk, Trade Desk AdMob, etc., as well as AdRoll. Okay. Oh, does she mean AdRoll instead of AdMob? Marco said, well said, yes. Oh yes. That's all we do. And we use many platforms depending on what our clients need. Trade Dex, Google DV360, several other more specialized DSPs too. Ali Mukadam responds to question two saying, our team uses Amazon DSP, Media Math, Pubmatic, ADX, to name a few for different clients. Personally, I prefer GDN. And then we have Dave Galiguas responding to question two, saying stack adapt. And then we have Julie herself responding to question two, saying, yeah, I don't really consider GDN to be programmatic, but technically it is. So I guess I am doing programmatic. And then we have Billy, Bill Scott responding to what Julie had just said, saying, yes, GDN was the OG pro of programmatic. Programmatic is for lazy people trying to do what an expert does. Ooh, I feel that's a little bit of a fighting talking there, Bill. Ali Mukadam responds saying, um, if we go by definition, yes, absolutely 100. So I'm guessing, yeah. GDN is considered as programmatic, can be considered as programmatic. Mark responds saying, oh yes, to question two saying, that's all we do and we use many platforms depending on what our clients need, the Trade Desk, Google DV360 and several other more specialized DSPs too. Julia Weiss responds, yes, we use a few partners, including our brand's programmatic product. Tim Halloran responds saying, yes, I've been dabbling in simply.fi. So S-I-M-P-L-I dot F-I because of their geofencing and addressable audience capabilities. I ran a couple campaigns on Stack Adapt earlier in the year and tried to use a few others in the past with mixed results. Ashton responds to question two saying, nope, always done to always down to test though. I love the way that he's part of a conversation, even though, yeah, he doesn't have much experience in it. Always good to hear from Ashton. Dalgar Thomas responds to question two saying, I have in the past, I've sort of decoupled from this recently, pushing more for individual publisher buys if displays is the right call. 
Tim Halloran responds to question one saying what it means to me, top of my head, same thing as regular PPC, but better or different or unique targeting options because of a mix of data providers and publishers you may not get from other standard platforms, sometimes premium placements you can't get elsewhere. And then Ellen responds to question two saying, I've seen quite a few answers with some dope DSPs, all excellent choices. It comes down to what and how we want to service our client. I've trained teams in most of the DSP mentioned. Love it. Daniel Vardy responds saying, I've always say in a time where Google keeps taking away levers and insights, programmatic actually has a lot more to offer than Google ads. Overall, I found programmatic to be more nimble and adjust to the deprecation of a third party cookies. And that's in the conversation of where Amit had said, I've always understood it as display ads, but not on a more advanced level. Ellen as well joins the conversation saying, I agree, Daniel, Google Display Networks holds a small piece of the pie. There are over 30 plus SSPs or ad exchange in the ecosystem. Most offer enough measurement and transparency, which is not always in GDN. Tim goes same. They never completely relied on cookies in the first place. So their value isn't directly tied to its demise. Dave goes this. So yeah always worth testing these these guys out julia then takes us on to question three saying what is your biggest challenge or frustration when it comes to programmatic advertising that i have not tested it yet and i'm not sure i'll know how to yeah dive into it <laughs> daniel vardy goes for me it would be more how to measure the impact of programmatic at the end of the day at scale we're still mostly talking about display ctv audio etc prospecting you still need to have a solid plan of testing and measuring ali responds saying we do find some spam traffic coming through pro programmatic it's true for gdn as well and a belief that could be wrong that programmatic cannot be leveraged for performance, maybe because it wasn't supposed to in the first place. Ector responds to that saying, yes, invalid clicks and irrelevant traffic is one of the biggest issues I face when I run ads on GDN, PMAX or other native or programmatic platforms. Curious, how do you avoid getting this? Again, you might hear me saying GDN, PMAX, GDN is Google Display Network, PMAX is Performance Max campaigns, but again, Go on officialpppcchat.com, go under resources and you'll see all the acronyms we're going to be talking about here. Mark as well responds to Ector going, yeah, we use a combination of AI provided by the top tier DSPs like TTD, Yahoo, DSP and DV360, for example, and senior traders, human intelligence to prevent irrelevant impressions. It's a never ending battle. Hector goes, do you also get traffic from countries that are usually OFAC sanctioned? Like in Google, what is OFAC? Someone please Google that please. Last time I was running for a fortune 500 and they got an attack from a competitor where they were getting huge traffic and conversions from countries that you can't exclude. And Ali's response to that as well, saying, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by being by an attack from a competitor. However, the default targeting settings should always be people in or regularly in your targeting locations instead of people interested in your targeted loca locations. Interested in, in uh, uh, interested is a default setting. 
Yeah, Hector goes, so there are events where your competitors will buy traffic from locations like Iraq or Iran. They're usually bots who click on your ads and exhaust your budgets and fill random details in lead gen campaigns. This traffic, you can't exclude them in any way due to OFAC, so O-F-A-C. That is interesting for people, yeah, people trying to, that's that's a very bad way of doing programmatic. Well, like, should I call it black hat? I hate calling black hat any, anything bad, black something. But yeah, sounds very dodgy way of companies doing programmatic. I really hate to hear things like that. Michael responds to question two saying currently no, but in the past I have used DV360, Stack Adapt and Trade Desk. So yeah, if you want to get into the programmatic, DV360, Stack Adapt, Trade Desk, those have been mentioned several times. Tim Halloran responds to question three about the challenges and frustrations. Biggest challenge, Tim goes, either it's too easy, kitty gloves, or it's too difficult, complex UIs, large learning curve, easy self-serve, take away part of its value because it categorizes and simplifies when you'd rather have more personalization and insight. And then we have, yeah, the Galigua's responded to question three. Going now, I've worked with bigger clients with budgets available, but the entry point for SMBs might be tough. Facebook or Google definitely make it easier to enter at a lower budget amount. No day one trade desk for them. And we have Mark as well responded to question three saying, I'd say the biggest challenge is the fragmentation of the ecosystem. It's also our biggest opportunity as an independent programmatic trading desk. Complexity creates a barrier to entry that we take away for advertisers and agencies. So yeah, we have issues with the publisher. It has, it's an opportunity for, you know, if you have a small business, you want to start in the business to make that as an opportunity as a, as a solution that you have for clients. We had then have Ashton Clark going to uh, respond to question three saying, yeah, as someone who's never run programmatic ads, a challenge would be not knowing where to start. I've heard about programmatic for years, but it seems like a better fit for large businesses and not as much for SMBs, which is primarily who we work with. And then Daniel Vardy responds saying, yeah, I'd agree here. I think programmatic sometimes make it sound more complex than it actually is. I don't know if by design or not, and therefore unapproachable. Traditionally, there was also the minimum budget barrier. Daniel goes, it's like when you go to a club and you see the VIP section, it seems like a good idea, but all of them look like they're miserable and actually want to party with everyone else. Programmatic needs to come down and dance, right? I love that analogy. So does Ashton and he goes, it does seem intimidating, but we're trying to be better about testing new platforms and channels. And I think programmatic is a big one to try out. Today's discussion has definitely helped make it seem a little less daunting. Ellen also responds to that to Ashton going, I would say I can understand the initial investment can be daunting. Programmatic is an excellent complement to what you're doing for your SMBs. I've seen it happen and have consulted SMBs to get started. I get it. Ashton goes, I would still love to test it. We usually default to display or social if a client wants to test more awareness focused campaigns, mainly because of the assumption that there's a bigger cost for programmatic, like you said, plus a learning curve on my end. Ellen goes, I believe in you. It can be done. The hardest part of the learning journey is simply taking the first step. I love Ellen's, you know, use of really pointing out her expertise, her expertise 
through this chat. Yeah, some more great answers she gives here. Lawrence as well says, says to question two, saying I've not used it in what I would like Chile called programmatic because I don't think Google Display Network really meets the definition of programmatic. Dougar Thomas goes three big areas for me in terms of the biggest challenges. This is an answer to question three. Targeting, how do we beat the roughly 45% average match rate? Inventory, how do we manage the cesspool of low quality inventory? Positioning, what makes one DSP better than another? Ekta responds to that saying, I would say bidding as well, especially when you are starting to test for different steps of a funnel and not sure what is the best entry point. And then, yeah, we then have the questions from the community where for question four, Julie goes, what questions do you have for Mark about programmatic advertising? And as you'll see, this is not just questions for Mark, but also Ellen as well. I love it. Yeah. And she goes, some of you sent questions ahead of today. So we'll do as many of them and we'll try to get to them. And so, yeah, what are some of those questions? But before that, we've also got, yeah, Ellen going her biggest challenges to answer question three are one initial investment two measurement, although much more advanced can become fragmented three inventory transparency, mainly due to lack of transparency from some vendors for fraud or brand safety risk. These are the most commonly discussed stuff. And yeah, I agree with that. When she came on the PBC chat roundup podcast, where we were also talking about programmatic, one of the biggest areas that we were talking about was the, you know, the risk of an ad showing against, you know, sites that are inciting either hate or war or crimes or that kind of thing or maybe even pornography kind of stuff and how some there are not enough measurements to ensure that your ads don't show against those sites or even some like viral news that comes about comes across you know maybe a, a death of a celebrity or maybe Elon Musk stuff, you might not be wanted to show against some news that are just not relevant to what you're doing. So yeah, all those things in place to ensure that there's brand safety and it prevents risk. A lot of work needs to be done in that area, in my opinion. And so, yeah, we've also got John Kagan responded to question three saying when the clients ask me for a screenshot of their ad. So, yeah, biggest challenges there. And we then have Julie going, yeah, a question from Tony Zara for Mark as well as Ellen. What do you see as the best use cases for programmatic for Google advertisers? Ellen goes, I would add audience and tactics targeting augmentation, breaking out of the Google shell to increase reach and impact. And yes, it can be measured and performance can be proven. That's where additional measurement tech can be added. Julie then goes, when you say additional measurement tech can be added, do you mean that a third party tool is something that is needed to fully measure programmatic performance? And if so, what are you using for this? Ellen responds to that saying you can measure programmatic without third party. You will need to add them once you speak of overall view on performance between multiple channels, especially you when you run outside of DSP. Think showing ROI or ROAS between social search and PRG. And Kurt goes, any recommendation that any recommended third party measurement platforms, understanding each has its gaps and advantages. Ellen goes, great question. I hate to answer by saying this. What are we doing for our clients? What's the goal? Why will this measurement vendor help us prove for our clients? Then understand what types are available. They are post verification or versus pre-bid 
partners. There are some great ones. Some are specialized by industries. Others have AI support. Measurement is important because it helps us show performance. So how easy is it to read reporting post campaigns, things like that? And then, yeah, Mark also then responds about the best use cases for programmatic. And he goes, yeah, another strategy is to augment or optimize GDN reach, which can have meaningful impact on results. Sometimes finally, we can have meaningful impact on results sometimes. Finally, and perhaps the most obvious and familiar thing Google advertisers can do, of course, is retargeting users on a much larger network than just GDN. He continues many ways to make a programmatic work for Google advertisers. Higher value strategies usually revolve around reach and awareness or driving tonnage. Once you've reached a plateau harvesting existing demand, you have to create it. And that's where programmatic shines. And then Julie takes us on to question six, which I believe is the last question of the chat saying that, yeah, what are the biggest differences between the traditional PPC and programmatic advertising? Mark goes, yeah, in my view, one bottom of funnel demand harvesting versus top of funnel awareness and demand building Two diversity of data options, tools and channels. Three, increasing opaque hosted auction versus transparent real-time auction. Four, tracking, where in programmatic one can track post-click and post-view activity within a campaign, which expands and complements the previously mentioned diversity of data options, tools and channels. And Julie also then gives another question from Tony Zara saying, how can smaller advertisers onboard and activate data? Julie, Mark starts off saying that there are two main parts to onboard and activate data for smaller advertisers. The first is almost always to install and configure a pixel on the web properties to start building audiences of web visitors. Mark then continues saying the second path is to upload or provide a feed of custom audience emails or mobile numbers into a platform such as LiveRamp, for example. There are costs associated with the latter, so it wouldn't apply to tiny advertisers usually. Julie then continues, replies to that saying, I will also add this for uploading customer data and SMBs. Please make sure you have permission to use customer or potential customer data in this way. Platforms want us to upload with reckless abandon, but we need to be careful as liability is now on us slash the advertisers. Yeah, Julie goes, I'm going to going to keep beating this drum because it is so important. Get with your legal advisor to review your terms and or, pr- or privacy policies, policies, consultants and agencies review your contract language to make sure you're not taking on liability client customer data. Market price, indeed, legislation is already in place for multiple countries and states and it won't stop anytime soon. Jilly goes, I'm on a mission to make sure businesses and PPC providers understand this. The platforms gloss right over this hugely important and potentially expensive issue because they want and need this data to be given to them by advertisers. And Doug goes, I struggle with this a lot. So many privacy policies aren't worth the kilobytes they take up. And it absolutely is on us as the knowledge havers to say, wait, we need to update the privacy policy. But what's a, but that's a whole new set of conversations. Not sure of the right path 
Julie goes, most don't even come close to what they need now. I am not an attorney, attorney, so I can't get that specific, but I am absolutely starting the conversations with the brands I work with so they can talk with their legal people. Sometimes I do too to explain stuff. And Ekta as well responds to this saying that what are the things that we have to keep in mind while using first party customer data for targeting and creating custom audiences by uploading on ad platforms. We do use this data for advertising, but I am sure it has restrictions to use it that way. And we had Ekta also giving a question, well, for Mark, but also Ellen, where she went, if you have to choose platforms for programmatic, what are the factors you would consider for specific types of businesses at a specific location selling a specific product, assuming that the specific is X here and it can change with different scenarios. Ellen responds saying, I would add, what's the goal? Look at one, what type of KPIs are important to client, therefore what the DSP needs to offer. Two, inventory transparency, GDN, lack of visibility on where things are served. You can see that in PRG. Three, measurement and targeting. We then have Michael responding to question six as well, saying the amount of audience building and the need to be paying attention to multivariate signals that audience is sending. Plus, it is more like traditional marketing than digital in that while you have a specific audience in mind, you need to go broad to find it. And on that very interesting note, we come to the end of our chat, which is at the point where I actually joined the chat and realized that it was coming to an end because again, as I said, our clocks went back one, went back, went forward. We apparently had an extra hour in bed, but I just, I've just been feeling so tired since the, the clocks changed. I don't know. Seasonal affective disorder as well. If anybody really suffers from that, which I do, I feel for you. I've already got my seasonal affective disorder light on it's called the sad light (laughs) which is a weird name for it but it really helps perk up my mood anyway if you want to continue this very lovely chat and this exciting and very knowledgeable chat about programmatic advertising and whether as an smb if you're a small business or you have a, a small business client whether you should be testing it and looking into it join us on thursday at what i believe will be 4 p.m our time uk time 1 p.m midday eastern time so yeah join that so that's 4 p.m gmt before the the u.s switched clocks they're gonna be changing their clocks next week so from next week it'll be 5 p.m gmt as well but for now it's gonna be 4 p.m gmt on thursday on twitter spaces to continue this chat about programmatic advertising. I hope you've taken some great takeaways from it, but if there's been any things that I I missaid, any corrections, anything you want to add to it, please get in touch with us on the the PPC chat handle, not handle, hashtag even the PPC chat hashtag, or my DMs are open. Yeah, you know, well, come into it gracefully, respectfully. I don't tolerate people who just go, hi, and you do nothing. So please let your your message come with a bit of context. I'm very busy. But yeah, it'll be really great as well for my longstanding and brand new listeners to give the podcast a review or a rating. Yeah, to do that, just go to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash PPC chat underscore roundup. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash PPC chat 
underscore roundup and you'll get all the links like Spotify and Apple where you can leave a rating or review. And yeah, I definitely can't fail to remember that we've got the third edition of PPC Live UK, which is getting bigger and better. We've got an amazing headline sponsor, Degenius Limited. Thank you so much, Degenius, for trusting me with this. They have sponsored every tier, the silver, gold and platinum side of these things. So that means it'll be recorded. There'll be lots of food. There'll be some merch, some swag that I'm going to give. I think I'm going to do it in a competition style way. So if you're in London, you're going to be even in the UK and you can make it down to London on the 24th of November. Please join us. The link to get that ticket will be bit.ly forward slash PPC live UK NOV 22. And yeah, it'll take you to the event bright page to buy a ticket for only 16 pounds. So we'd love to have you there. Finally, remember for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly, there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface. So keep your swans kicking. Bye and speak to you next week. 